I was standing there listening as Gerald was, was speaking that word. I just, got a, I just got like a vision in my spirit just of, the, of like people in concentration camps, you know, like from World War II. I could see like this, this picture of people just stumbling out of the darkness into the light, just kind of dazed by, by the light. And they looked, they, looked, they looked skinny like those people in the concentration camp because they've, they've just been, and I, this is the word I heard the Lord speak to me. I wasn't in Sunday school this morning. I heard the Lord speak, the people are in gross darkness. I said, Lord, where is, I can't remember where that is because I'm so bad with references, so I had to go look it up. It's in Isaiah 60, isn't it? And he says the people, and you just heard it, but he says the, the people are in gross darkness, and total darkness covers the people, but the Lord will shine over you. His glory will appear over you. And I'll tell you what, I just feel like God's doing something, and he wants to, he wants to bring life to dead things, doesn't he? He wants to bring life to our city. He wants to bring life to everything that's dead, everything the enemy has that's, that's he's held in bondage and held captive. The Lord wants to set him free, and he's going to use you to do it. Amen. That's what Jesus announced when he came. He announced his anointing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And one of the things was to, to release those who are in, in bondage. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But to release those in bondage. You've got an anointing on you just like Jesus had. To release some people because they're going to they're gonna see there's light in you. They're going to start coming to the light. Amen. Amen. I'm excited because I just feel like God's doing something. We had uh, a youth rally in here yesterday. We kind of hosted a youth rally. There was youth from different places. There were some from Concord that came, some from Raleigh that came. We had 90 youth in here, and there was people getting, getting healed. Some of them got healed. Some, one of them came and said they had some kind of a pain throughout their body, and they've had it for, for a long, long time. God totally healed them. They're pain-free. We had people getting filled with the Spirit. I mean, God was moving in this place yesterday. I feel like the, the Holy Spirit is doing something. Amen. And... This morning, oh, we want to we want to just before we even get into the word, I want to just pray because we have a, a couple of needs I want to mention. First of all, Diane Ruth, uh, as as many of you know, her husband and Clay went home to be with the Lord uh, this past week, and so we want to pray for her and her family. Also, Dave Garner, who was a, a part of this church many years ago, he's now another pastor in town, uh, is very very sick today. He's in the hospital, but we're going to pray and believe the Lord's going to heal him right now. Will you agree with me together? Lord, first of all, we just pray for Diane Ruth and her family. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of peace and you're the God of comfort. And I thank you for being with her and her family today. And Lord, we thank you that we have an assurance today that we know where Clay is. And Lord, we lift up Dave to you right now. I thank you for a total healing for his body. We rebuke sickness and disease and we tell it to go in the name of Jesus. I thank you that he's whole today. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want you to take your Bibles and go to John chapter 14 with me. I want to speak about this, this topic. We kind of got into it just a little bit last week. And I'm talking about even greater. And there, I, read this, I read this story, and I, I think it just talks so much about where our world is today. But this happened many years ago. True story happened years ago at, at what they called a divinity school in Chicago. And they used to host this big um, event every year. They would bring in like a guest speaker who was a real well-known speaker. And they would invite everyone from the area to come and they could listen. They could have a picnic outside, bring their, bring their bag lunches and stuff. 
And they got this guy in, and he began to speak. He was a well-known guy. Everybody knew who he was. They knew his name. And for two and a half hours, it doesn't sound like a picnic to me, but for two and a half hours, the guy spoke. His whole message was about proving the resurrection of Jesus was false. And that's a, at a divinity school, at a school that's, that's supposed to be about Jesus. He's saying the resurrection didn't happen. And he began to quote scholar after scholar, book after book. He was citing things in Greek. He was doing all this. And here's what he said. He said, there's no such thing as the resurrection. The religious tradition of the church was groundless, emotional, mumbo-jumbo because it was based on a relationship with a risen Jesus who he says, in fact, never rose from the dead in a literal sense. But that's, that describes the world, doesn't it? The world thinks, the world thinks when you start bringing up this Bible, it's a bunch of crazy stuff. It's a bunch of make-believe. It's not true. Listen, either this is all true or it's all fake. Either Jesus rose from the dead and he gave us power to live on this earth or it's all fake. What is it? Well, this man claimed it was all fake and he asked, he said, is there any questions? And one guy, one old guy stood up in the back. He said, I got a question. And he picked up his lunch bag and took out an apple, took a big bite, crunching very rudely while he's talking to this theologian. And he said, I got a question. And he crunched on his apple. He said, I've never read any of the books you've read. He took another bite of his apple, crunched for a few moments. He said, I can't recite scriptures in Greek. He took another bite, chewed it up, pieces falling out. He said, I don't know anything about philosophy and theology and all this stuff that like you do. And he took another bite of his apple, finished the apple. And he held it up. And he said, I just got one question. Was this apple I ate, was it bitter or was it sweet? The man paused for a second, kind of confused. And he said, look, there's no way I could possibly answer that question. I haven't tasted your apple. And he said, and neither have you tasted my Jesus. And he sat back down. Listen, the, the proof, what do we say? The proof is in the pudding, right? What, what does that mean? The original quote is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. What, what it's saying is sometimes you got to eat something to know it's good. We got invited out to a dinner the other night. I'm still full. It was terrific. The when I ate it, oh man, I tasted and it was good. I tasted something else and that was good too. And I everything I tasted was good. Here's what the word of God says, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you taste, when you see, hey, he's good. Everything he does is good. When you start seeing what God's doing, you know it's God because it's good. And when you taste it, anybody tasted in here this morning? When you start tasting of the word of God, when you start tasting of God in your life, you start getting a little glimpse of the Holy Spirit in you. You're like, man, this is good. I want some more of this. Anybody with me? Once you come to him, you find out how good he is. So sometimes, see, sometimes you got to taste something to know it's good. Sometimes you gotta have you gotta have proof to know something's good. And in John 14, verse 7, I think this is kind of what Jesus is talking about. He's like, look at the look at the proof. 
Look at the proof that I'm good. He says in verse 7, If you know me, you'll also know my Father. For from now on you do know him and you've seen him. And, and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Lord, if, Jesus, why don't you just open up heaven and show us the Father? That would be good enough for us. And then look at what Jesus says. Philip, come on, dude. Have I been with you so long without you knowing me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. That's a bold statement. He says, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe I'm in the Father, the Father's in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does the works. Now listen to what he says. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Otherwise, believe the works themselves. You see what he's saying? The proof is in the pudding. If you don't believe what I say, you can at least look at what I do. Come on, because the proof's in the pudding. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So now here's what he says. See, the works were the proof. And now he says, I assure you, we spoke about this last week, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do and will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, church, the word of God is meant to be backed up with the works. The word of God is not just a matter of talk, but it's a matter of action. The word of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. Jesus said, you're gonna do the same stuff I did because you're gonna have the same Holy Spirit living in you. You got the same, even the same anointing that's on your life. So he says, you're gonna do the same works that I do, but he takes it a step further and says, and even greater. And even greater. Listen, I believe the gospel is meant to be demonstrated in your life. If all you got is talk, you just got a bunch of words. You need the words, but you need something to back it up. We need proof. See, the name of Jesus didn't lose its power when Jesus went to heaven, did it? The name of Jesus didn't weaken when the apostles died. Some people think that. Well, the last apostle died, and so now the... Everything, we just, we got the Bible and that's good enough for us. Just give me the King James. As long as it's King James, I'm good. That, listen, there's nothing wrong with the King James, but this isn't, what, this isn't just, the, if all you got is words, you just got words. We don't just have words. We got power to prove what we got. And Jesus said, you're supposed to be doing some stuff now. And here's what I believe. I believe this ties in so closely with what we were hearing this morning. The fact that Jesus has come to set people free, that there's going to be people coming to your light. Listen, we need people declaring the word of God, but we need people demonstrating the word of God too. Because when people see that, they're going to be drawn to the light. They're going to say, wait a minute, I've been in darkness my whole life. You know, we, sometimes we get upset at the world. Look at how stupid they are. Look at the things they say. Look at the, the things they put on the news. Look at what the government's doing. They're in darkness. They're in darkness, and they need some light. They need some people, some Christians to demonstrate the light, and they won't be in the dark anymore. Amen. So Jesus said, if you believe, if you believe in him, you do the works that he did. See, here's the thing. This, this book is a supernatural book. You know, some people try to take some of these things that are written in here and, and, and bring out, you know, self-help teachings and, and things like that, which is, which is, which is fine, if, but if that's all you got, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. 
See, this book is a supernatural book. All the way in the very beginning, the very first words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and this supernatural. That's supernatural, come on. And it's all, all through the book. Now listen, as I, as I read through the Old Testament, every now and then you see some miracles. Well, you see a bunch when you get to Moses and you see all those plagues, but as you go through, every now and then you see a miracle. There's one or two people raised from the dead in the Old Testament. There's one or two people healed of leprosy and things in the Old Testament. There's a few healings scattered throughout thousands of years, but when you get to my Jesus... When you get to Jesus and when he came to earth, he began to demonstrate the will of God on this earth. Listen, his Jesus life was a life full of miracles. Every day with Jesus was a miracle, wasn't it? The disciples followed Jesus around for three and a half years, seeing miracle after miracle, seeing him walk on water, seeing him feed 5,000 people with some bread and some fish, seeing miracle after miracle, seeing people healed, so much so that John said, if I, could, if I had to write down everything Jesus did, it would fill up the whole world. Come on. And you're supposed to do the same things he did, and even greater. Come on, so I wanna, I wanna continue this from last week, but Jesus came in the anointing because listen, there was nothing the anointing couldn't take care of. Uh, you gotta catch this, church. There was nothing in his life that the anointing couldn't take care of. See, if we just look at it like, well, Jesus came to earth and he took care of some stuff because he was God, I'm missing the point because the point was I'm supposed to do what he was doing to keep the work going. Some people think, well, Jesus, he, yes, he, he did. He finished his work at the cross. It was done. But now his work continues through me. Not that I'm doing the work. He's doing it through me. But if, I, if all I do is sit down on the pew and, and, and don't do anything, I'm missing it. I got to step out and start believing what he said. Because he'd say, he said this. You'll do the same works I do, but even greater. You see what he was doing. And I mentioned this last week. He was taking the limits off. He was taking the limits off. There are no limits to those who believe. There are no limits in your life. There are no limits. If you believe the word of God, you can have whatever you ask for, Jesus said. So I want to I do this this morning. If you go to John chapter 2, and what I want to look at is some of the works that Jesus did, and we're just gonna look at one today. Because if you're supposed to do what Jesus did, let's look at what he did. There was, again, nothing that the anointing couldn't take care of, even sometimes when he didn't really want to. The anointing just went to work. In John chapter two, you'll see what I'm talking about. John chapter two, and let's start here. In verse one, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. Uh, now, this is interesting. The very first miracle Jesus did was at a wedding for a marriage. You know, you might think Jesus was too busy to go to things like that. Some of us don't like going to things like that. We don't like dressing up, putting on a tie. I donm not talking about anybody specifically. Um, but my wife makes me sometimes. Um, but listen, Jesus was there. Jesus is, he's 
present in your marriage. He's there in your family. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is there. I love that. He was there at the wedding. He was present. He wanted to see them get married. It was a, it was a happy celebration. He wanted to be there to celebrate with him because God is concerned about your marriage. He's concerned about your family. He's concerned about everything you're going through. So there he is at this wedding. And listen, a miracle takes place because the greater is supposed to follow you around everywhere you go. There's no wrong place for a miracle. Ah, but I'm at work. It's okay. You can have a miracle at work. Even if your boss is a jerk. You can have a miracle wherever you are because you carry that around. You can, God can move wherever you are. Amen. So there's Jesus at the wedding and something bad happens. Look at what happens. Verse three, the wine ran out. The wine ran out. You know, I, some people are always looking for the bad things. You ever notice that? Maybe you're like that, pessimistic, right? You're always expecting the bad things. You kind of live by Murphy's Law. Whatever bad thing can happen, it will happen. So you prepare for the worst. Listen, God tells us to meditate on his word. Sometimes the temptation for us in life is to meditate on what can go wrong or what did go wrong. And we start thinking about the wrong things so much, we get meditating on that. We get, I mean, thinking on that. We get dwelling on that. And if all you think on is the bad, listen, sometimes you get what you expect. I'm expecting something bad to happen. Sometimes you get what you expect in life. Well, I'm expecting, listen, here's what you need to expect. You need to expect that God is going to give you a miracle. You need to expect that you're going you're gonna to have the good things. Listen, everything God does is good. I read somebody sent out a newsletter. Just I just got it yesterday. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Everything God does is good. Everything the devil does is bad. So I know when something in my life that bad happens, it's not God doing it to me. I don't have to think about, oh, Lord, what if this and what if that? And No, it doesn't. God wants good for my life. If I'll follow his, his word, his instruction, there'll be good. So I got to change my expectation. Come on. We need to expect God to do what he said he would do. So Jesus was there at the wedding. He was there to show them God's way of doing things. You notice Jesus doesn't seem too worried about this, this wine running out. Jesus doesn't seem too worried because worry doesn't fix anything. Listen, we need to expect some, some things, God to, to do some miracles in our lives. We'll never see the even greater until we expect the even greater. So here's what happens. The wine ran out and this was an embarrassment. This was embarrassing. You, you didn't have enough wine for your wedding. Do you know what that means? That means the party's over early. The celebration is over People are going to start going home. There's not going to be any more of the party. And so look what Jesus' mom told him. They don't have any more wine. And listen to what Jesus says to his mama. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? We should have saved that for Mother's Day. Jesus, Jesus says, my hour is not yet come. 
It sounds a little like he's not interested. But I think the, the key there was my hour has not yet come. See, there was, a, there was a timing on God. God has a time schedule, doesn't he? And he had set this whole plan in motion, Jesus being born and the whole, the whole works, everything Jesus was going to do, God had it all planned out. Isn't it just like a mom to mess up some plans? Jesus, hey, you know what? Kids can mess up plans too. Oh my goodness. Don't get me going. If you got kids, nothing ever goes according to plan. Why even have it? Why even bother? But there was a time, and God had a timetable, and this wedding was not part of it. This, to me, this is really interesting. God had a schedule that he put in motion. It says, it says Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So before the world was formed, God had this whole plan. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Jesus to earth. He's going to do miracles, and he had, all the, he had everything all mapped out. This wedding was not on God's plan. But Mary doesn't care what God's plan is. She doesn't care that Jesus says, this this is not part of the plan. This is not in my timing. She doesn't care. Because listen to what she says. She gets the servants together. Do whatever he tells you to do. This is a key right here. I'm... I'm going somewhere with this this morning. Hang with me, because listen, you're supposed to be doing the works that Jesus did. How, do I, how am I expected to do what Jesus did? Listen, you gotta, you gotta start believing like Jesus believed. You gotta start expecting some things. Let me, so let me tell you this. This is the key for an even greater life. Do whatever he says. Man, come on. If we'll just do what God says, if we'll just be listening to what the Holy Spirit says, we can see the even greater I told you last week about that guy I I prayed for who was laying there dying. I did not want to pray what I prayed because it felt very embarrassing. What if he doesn't, what if nothing happens? Well, that's not on me. You understand, I don't heal anybody. I can't do the even greater works. Jesus does them through me. But I gotta be obedient to speak what he speaks. I gotta be obedient to go where he tells me to go. I gotta just learn how to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's how Jesus lived. Look at John 5, 19. Can you put that up there? Jesus said, I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does these things in the same way. In other words, Jesus says, I'm, I'm obedient to the father. When he tells me to go, I go. When he tells me to speak, I speak. When he tells me to lay hands on somebody, I do that. When he tells me to spit in the mud and make make some mud and put it on their eyeballs, I do that. He was just obedient. If we could just learn how to be obedient to what the Spirit is saying to us. But so often we're so closed off because we live in these little isolation bubbles that the government is telling us to live in. And even before that, without the government, we live that way on our own. We're just not concerned about anybody else, just ourselves. We gotta, we gotta make sure we make enough money just for ourselves. We gotta make sure we take care of ourselves. We gotta make sure our, you know, you know what I mean? But listen, God's mission for you is to be concerned about other people. Because the even greater is not just for you. 
If all I'm doing is laying hands on myself because I need healing, that's fine, you can do that, but you're missing the point. It's supposed to be coming out of you, flowing into some other people. It's for others. Come on. We got to learn how to be obedient to the word of God. You know, I want my kids to obey me, but they struggle. I say, go to bed. And they whine and they complain. They say, they tell me they don't want to. They tell me five more minutes, but my five minutes is not the same as their five minutes. And they're never happy with five minutes anyway. You know, I, I tell them, go clean your room. They don't want to. They struggle because they have this thing inside them that says, I don't want to listen to you. I want to do my own thing. I tell them, hey, we're going to have dinner. Go set the table. I want to. But see, listen, we're no different. We've got this thing inside us that says, I want to, I want to do what I want to do. I want, you know, the word of God is about obedience to, to what he speaks to us. I don't want to listen to you. That's how we act. We act like children. But God's expecting obedience from us because we'll never see the things of God manifest in our lives if we're disobedient, if we can't listen to him, if we can't, if we can't stretch out our hands and touch somebody else, if we're only concerned about ourselves, listen, we'll never see the move of God in our lives. Amen. That's okay. Um, Listen, Mary's faith, this is incredible to me. And she, she says that when Jesus tells her, this is not my time, she's got faith in her that is stirred up, and she tells people, you do whatever, she, whatever he says. Her faith, listen to this now, literally changes God's timetable. This is amazing to me. You know, this happened, this happened another time in the word of God I can think of when, when a, the prophet came to the king and said, get your house in order, you're gonna die. God says, you're gonna die. God made up his, his mind, he was gonna die. That man was gonna die for whatever he'd done or something, and then, and then the guy begins to repent. Lord, forgive me, Lord, give, grant me some more time. The prophet, before he can leave the house, he turns back around. Okay, God says, you can, you can have 15 more years. God, the faith can change God's timetable. This is incredible to me. Your faith is what takes hold of all the promises of God. Listen, your faith can literally, forget that this was Jesus' mom, okay, for just a minute. This could have been anybody because God is not a respecter of persons. This could have been anybody that had some faith. That said, Jesus, will you take care of this? I believe that you, I believe you're able. I believe you can do it. Listen, her faith changed God's timetable. Your faith is what takes hold of the even greater. Now listen, this, to me, this miracle seems like no big deal. It's just some wine at a party. Who cares? But listen, God is concerned about every part of your life. And if, and if we start thinking, oh, I can't pray for this or I can't pray for that, listen, you're going to miss out because God wants to take care of every situation in your life. He wants to take care of everything in your life. There's nothing too little. There's nothing too big. 
To you, it might seem like a, maybe it's just a little thing. Ask anyway. Lord, would you help me? He will. So her faith for this just some wine at a party changes God's whole timetable. I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't have done that for her. What do you, no, there's a, no, I've got a plan now, lady. We worked on, we've been working on this for thousands of years. Who do you think you are? But God, God's not like that. God says, okay, if you believe you can have it, even if it's not part of my schedule. Listen, Jesus was showing God's way of doing things. Whoo, man, faith can move mountains. Keep reading with me, verse six. Six stone jars have been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. That's kind of a lot. I, I did the math one time. I think I wrote it down in here somewhere, but it's, it's literally hundreds of bottles worth of wine that Jesus makes. 20 or 30 gallons times six bottles of wine. So Jesus says, go fill those up. And they filled them up to the brim. And then he says, now take some out and take it to the chief servant. And they did. I want you to catch this because, again, this is God's way of doing things. Now, Jesus could have done it himself. He could have gone and he could have gone and filled the thing because he said, hey, guys, I'm Jesus. I'll take care of this. Let me fill everything up here. But he wanted to work together with man because God always partners with man. All throughout the word of God, God partners with man. And so he gets the servants to, involved in this miracle. And he gets them, he gets them sowing something. They've got to, first of all, sow some water. And they put the water in and listen to, here's what they got to do. They got to, they got to have a little bit of faith because he tells them to dip some out and take it to the guy in charge of the banquet. They know what they put in there. And they're looking at it and it still looks like water. There was no Kool-Aid packets at the bottom to turn everything red. It looked like water. So he takes some out and take it to the guy in charge. Listen, I got to have some faith here because I might get in trouble. If you're a server at a restaurant and someone is in charge of, of the whole restaurant, you don't want to bring them a glass of water and say, sir, here's our a glass of our best wine. They're going to kick your rear end out on the streets. You're going to lose your job. But listen, sowing is our part. Believing is our part. Expecting a miracle is our part. And God does the rest. It doesn't matter what the problem is. God has an answer. But we got to learn how to do things his way. See, listen, faith sometimes feels risky, doesn't it? It feels risky to step out in faith. It feels risky to come up here and speak in front of people and say, God told me to say this. It feels risky. It feels risky to pray for somebody and say, I believe God's going to heal you. It must have felt risky last night when they were praying for those, for those youth that were, that were sick. It must have felt risky. What if nothing happens? What if I, Listen, it doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you see. They had a, they had a cup of water. That's what they could see. But Jesus told them, take it. Act like it's wine. So they took it and acted like it was wine and took it to the guy in charge. 
It doesn't matter what I see. Listen, when I, when I believe that when we pray, things happen. When we pray in faith, when we speak in faith, things happen. But sometimes what we do, well, I don't see it. I guess it didn't happen this time. Brother, you just keep praying and believe. What'd you just do? You just said your prayers didn't work. What does that mean? That means I don't really have faith unless I can see it with my eyes. I told you before stories about people. We had to, Joel Hitchcock, he said he had a lady that came in, the, in a wheelbarrow to his service and they prayed. They didn't see anything at the moment, but she went home and later she could move her toes and in a couple of days she could stand and in a few days she could walk. Listen, we may not always see it right that moment, but that's okay. It doesn't mean nothing's happening. But faith is risky. So they filled up these jars with water. They take it to the man in charge. They're stepping out in faith, believing with God. They give the water to the man in charge. And at some point, the water becomes wine. Nobody knows when it happened. Maybe it was when it touched his lips, it became wine. Maybe it was when he, he took it in his hand. But at some point, something happened. A miracle happened. But they didn't have to see it to believe it. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. So let me, let me wrap this up here. So the man took the water after it become wine. He did not know where it came from, though the servants did who had drawn the water. And he called the groom. Listen, again, there's nothing the anointing can't take care of. When, when people, let me just say this. When people make wine, there's a process right? They got to take, the, they gotta take the, the grape and wait for the grape to grow. Wait for the grape to ripen on the vine to just the right point. Then they got to pick the grape and they got to work and they got to press it and they got to press it till the wine comes out. And then they've got to wait, whatever they do to it. And they got to wait for the fermentation process. So there's work and there's wait. But Jesus was showing them, listen, when God gets involved with your life, there is no more work and there's no more wait. When Jesus got involved, he put God's process to work. And I'm not saying you don't have to work for things in life and all this, but I'm saying when you let God do the work in your life, he can do things in two seconds that you might try to work for 20 years to accomplish. In two seconds in your life, he can break addictions. He can set you free. He can bring healing. You might go to a doctor and the doctor says it's gonna take six weeks for that to heal. And just in two seconds, God can touch you because with him, there is no wait. There is no time. He can bypass, listen, faith can bypass time. Amen. You don't have to wait to come to God. You don't have to wait for your healing. You don't have to wait. Jesus never told anybody in the Bible to wait. Everybody that came to him believing they could have it right that moment. That woman with the issue of blood for what, seven years she was bleeding. For seven years she was waiting and waiting and waiting for her healing. But the moment she touched Jesus, healing came. That very moment there was no more wait. The wait was gone. Maybe you've been waiting on something today. You've been waiting on God to do something in your life, waiting on God to do something in your family, for your kids, whatever. Listen, I believe in just a second, God can do whatever you've been believing for. But you gotta release some faith in your life. When Jesus stepped in, there was no more work. There was no more wait. And in verse 10, that man in charge of the wedding said, everyone sets out the fine wine first, 
and after people have drunk freely the inferior, but you've kept the best wine, the fine wine until now. He saved the best for last. He always saves the best for last in your life. Listen, today, you might be out on your own, so to speak, trying to be good enough on your own. I heard one man say that one day when he stands before God, he hopes that his good will outweigh his bad. That man was a, supposedly a believer. He says, I hope my good outweighs my bad and that I can get to heaven. That's not how you get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by trying to be good enough. Listen, the first, the first wine came with labor. The first, the first wine came with work. And we can work and we can work and we can work and never be good enough. But the second wine that comes from God, listen, when we receive what he's got to give us, it comes with no work. It comes with no labor. You, don't, you can't work and be good enough to get to God. If you have to rely on yourself, you're not going to make it. You can be as good as Mother Teresa. You can work in the orphanages your whole life and give your life for the poor, but if you don't have Jesus, you're not good enough. See, listen, we got to do things God, God's way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's God's way, and it's the only way. Today, you might be a Christian, but you've been trying to do everything out on your own. Jesus came to show us God's way. Stop trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to fix yourself because you're not God. Let me read this verse to you. I'm getting ready to close. Jeremiah 17, verse five. This is what the Lord says. The man who trusts in man, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord is cursed. If we're trying to trust in ourselves, listen, Christians, we do it too. We do it too. We try to trust in ourselves. We're trying to do everything that we can in our own strength and setting, Lord, instead of saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you to take care of this situation. I trust you to take care of my life. I trust you to take care of whatever it is you might be going through today. The word of God says, well, cast, cast a few of your cares on him, but you keep some for yourself too. Does it say that? No, cast all your cares, all of your cares because he cares for you. Stop trying to do things in your own strength. Why don't you stand up with me? So Jesus made this wine. I told you this morning that first covenant, that first miracle, the first plague that Moses brought against the people was to turn their water into death, into blood. But when Jesus came, he came and he brought a new covenant, didn't he? And that new covenant was established by his own blood. His first miracle was to take something ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. And that's what he wants to do in you. He wants to take your ordinary life and make it something extraordinary. He's come to give you life and life more abundant. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? says in verse 11 that Jesus performed this first sign. He displayed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Listen, everything 
that God wants to do in your life, through your life, is to display his glory so that the nations will see the light of Jesus in you. Maybe you're here this morning and you know your life isn't right with God. Maybe you're watching on video this morning and you know your life isn't right. You're away from God this morning. You've been trying to do things in your own strength, trying to work, trying to get ahead, trying to be a good person. Listen, you'll never be good enough. What Jesus did was he showed us God's way of doing things. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. All we have to do is trust him because he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. If this morning you need to make your life right with him, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Even if you're watching at home, just raise your hand to the Lord this morning. And just say these words with me, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a new person today. I give you my life, Jesus. For the rest of us this morning, I believe God wants to do even greater in your life than anything you've experienced before. I believe there's going to be an outpouring in this season of miracles and signs and wonders. I believe we're going to see more than we've ever experienced before. I believe it's going to be your faith that lets you take hold of the promises of God. So you keep standing. Maybe you say, I've been standing. I've been believing. I haven't seen it. Listen, faith doesn't care what we see. You just hold on to what the Word of God says. I want to stand with you. If you, need a, if you need a touch from God in your life this morning, I want you just to raise your hand right where you're at, or you can come down to the front and we'll pray for you. If you need prayer for anything in your life, you're welcome, always welcome to come to the front and we'll pray for you. But for the rest of you, right where you're at, I just want to believe God with you. Lord, we thank you this morning for miracles to flow. We thank you for miracles and signs and wonders. Lord, we thank you for having your way in us. Lord, I thank you for touching each person this morning. Lord, if there's any this morning that need a miracle in their lives, need a miracle in their families, need a miracle in, in whatever situation, Lord, I believe that we are about to see even greater than we've ever experienced. I believe you wanna show us even greater because we're here not just for ourselves. Lord, we're here for you. We're here to reach other people. Lord, I believe you're gonna display your glory so people can see your light. Lord, I thank you for just right now, even a release of your Holy Spirit. Miracles flow, signs and wonders flow. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, in your body, in your people. In your name we pray that, amen. Let's close with this song this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for blessing your people. Thank you that you have your hand upon us, that we're walking in favor. Lord, we're walking today in the even greater. Lord, I thank you. We're gonna hear testimonies about what you're doing, that we're gonna be hearing testimonies of the even greater in our lives. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. 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 God bless you this morning. Have a great week.